0: this is my corner of the internet where i bring the best and brightest in the amazon and e-commerce space uh what does that mean to you the watcher or listener well this is the part of the world where i occupy and get to talk with the brightest minds in the space the sellers the entrepreneurs the people who are helping your business grow these are the people who are going to be coming on and talking about specific topics to help your business or uh, brand grow whether it be in sourcing logistics to advertising marketing building out, um, safety and security measures for your direct to consumer, uh, you know, website, or just helping you grow internationally, any of those contexts and those topics we're going to be talking about on this podcast. So if you're new, welcome. If you're a returning listener or watcher, thanks for coming back, uh, into my cozy little corner, as I like to call it. Um, we like to have um, guests of the show who who are just going to be educating, talking as, you know, as if we're going to be, uh. Me and them today, but we are glad to welcome you in and make sure that you get something out of every single episode. And without further ado, obviously, uh, every episode is brought to you by Ping Pong Payments. Ping Pong Payments is helping more people save more hard-earned money and save more time and effort when it's growing internationally. Whether it's paying out their suppliers and manufacturers, or if you have VAs internationally, Ping Pong can help you safely and effectively grow and send money internationally. Make sure that you're putting more of that money back to your pocket and not pay exorbitant and ridiculous fees uh, through third party software or solutions. Make sure you're saving with a solution that helps your business grow instead of helping you stay stagnant. And that's with ping pong payments making you grow internationally with more efficiency and effective uh, measures as well. Just go to usa.pingpongx.com forward slash podcast for more information and to catch every single episode Um, speaking of which this is episode 240 let's get it right 243 of crossover commerce so we've been having lots of great guests come on if you haven't heard or have any of our episodes or seen us um, we go live on linkedin facebook youtube and twitter which you're watching right now thank you for tuning in Uh, on a busy tuesday i'm sure that uh, everyone has a great it's very gloomy here in central Indiana, where I'm located. But if you're watching this internationally or uh, anywhere in the world, thanks for tuning in. Let us know you're listening. Um, You can say hello in the comment section. We'll be able to pop them up on the screen. Um, Or if you're listening to us later on, on all of your favorite podcast destinations that could be on. Apple Podcast, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, you name it. We're going to be there. Thank you for downloading and listening to another fantastic episode. This week is action-packed. We have four podcast episodes coming out with you live. um, And they're going to be subsequently in various different um, categories. And I'm really excited about this one. Um, We had to shuffle shuffle some things around so I can get him on here. But I'm really curious to uh, get his uh, mindset on. On, on this topic, uh, we're going to be talking about. I mean, he he was actually uh, started an e-commerce website, and he's now helping other brands grow um, their brands and helping their businesses come to fruition. CEO, founder of an amazing company called um, Iron uh, Iron Plane. Excuse me, I almost, I almost, uh, I. Psyched myself out there, Robert. So I, I, I'm i apologizing to you on the back end, but I uh, psyched myself out. I have Robert Giovannini. Uh, I'm going to say that right, and hopefully I said that correctly because I always add syllables to names. It's my it's my kryptonite, guys. That's why as a kryptonite is a podcast host. I need to get syllables correctly. But uh, I'm excited to have him on to talk a, bit, a little bit about what we're calling this episode, Building the Right E-Commerce Platform. For your brain, What does that mean we're going to be talking with Robert about that today? So, welcome to Crossover Commerce, Robert of Iron Plane. Robert, thank you so much for hopping on Crossover Commerce.
1: Hey, Ryan, thanks for inviting me in your little corner over here, or big corner that may be. Yeah, uh, say big now. Yeah yeah, 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 I appreciate that. <laughs> and thanks for the flexibility in the last week. You're here, uh, no, for really sure. Helpful.
0: Yep, we were talking about that pre-show, so I'm, I'm glad everything is. You know, uh, we were able to reschedule in that regards. Did I get your last name right? Let's let's start there. It's important.
1: You did. You know, okay. Joe Vanini. It's a. Uh, you, you, you rolled Do up you have a plate. nini
0: okay yeah, yeah. perfect nice. so are you quote here's the question yeah. i want to say you're italian are you italian i'm italian okay I'm italian. interesting yes. very true. Sure. but your your bio is almost it threw me because this is this is why this is why i pause as a podcaster i can typically pull people where they're from based upon their name yeah. this is a little bit interesting you were uh you were in your bio starts with while in russia so Initially, I start with, "Oh, he's from Russia, or he he grew up in Russia." Well, well what's the backstory? I'm going to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So, uh,
1: no, so I was born and raised in the United States, uh, okay, and so uh, Italian American, uh, and I went to the Peace Corps in Russia back in '95, and so really? it was a it was a little window there where the U.S. Peace Corps was able to actually do stuff in Russia. Uh, which didn't last very long, uh, but we were over there basically working on uh, internet infrastructure and uh, and setting up uh, internet develop- business development centers where people could get kind of get in and get online. Uh, and so uh, that's how I ended up there. And then I was there for about five years, all said and done, a uh, couple with the Peace Corps and then on to other endeavors for a few years.
0: So, so was it one was one, one area or were you moving around? Uh, I was
1: uh, based primarily in a place called Saratov, which is uh, down on the Volga River, 600 uh, kilometers or, you know, a few hundred miles, uh, south of Moscow, uh, straight South.
0: That's really cool. Well, yeah. so what, why the Peace Corps, is that something you've always wanted to do or what was the, that you was know, right I got it. It's
1: a great question. Uh, you know, and, and it will segue into e-com, I promise you. Yeah. So, you know, we, uh, we, when I had, uh, I had been, uh, I had sold a, a business I had and then, uh, went and was going to do proverbial backpacking across Europe when I was in my early twenties. And, and I got, I got to France and, uh, well, I was running out of money quickly. I, I didn't realize that the business class ticket cost more than it did on the train. And Prince so I had, that to you. Yeah, <laughs> I had to get back down to the e class and I was running quickly out of cash. And, and I realized I didn't like just bumbling around. It never was my style. I thought it was going to be cool. And uh, but I knew I wanted to get back overseas. And so I went back, got a master's degree and kind of got myself together and i was looking at opportunities and just there was this brief window as i said where the peace corps had this business program going on in russia we were the second group to go over and that just seemed like an amazing opportunity and so i quickly studied some russian and uh and jumped over
0: I don't know how so, you quickly study Russian, but you don't,
1: you don't, you don't, know, you know. It was a, a five-year <laughs> endeavor. Deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I, I had if I had my ten words, you know, that I could at least you know fake it.
0: Yes, no. Uh, can you help or yeah, like, yeah, you, vodka, you know, I mean, anyway, that's that, that's reductive. But yeah. <laughs> so, so with that, so what 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 was your biggest takeaway? Like, how did how did that propel you into you know future endeavors or uh, interests, things like that.
1: Uh, just at a, at a philosophical level, uh, it was wild east. I mean, business was taking off independent, you know, small businesses could start growing and, and get really creative. And so, you know, if you were entrepreneurial, this was wide open. I mean, and so you just started really thinking creatively about solutions. Uh, and so for me, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, e-commerce was just beginning. We were talking 95, 96. I think Amazon was just getting going at that point. And I was I was trying to code an HTML e-com site. I remember I was sitting in, you know, computer and trying to figure this out. And then front page came I'm like, I don't remember front page or not, but this was like a tool where you could actually start dragging and dropping things. And wow, I could actually make a website and tie it up to PayPal. And I found this guy uh, at a market who was selling these amazing chess sets. I mean, just beautiful chess sets. I'm like, well, I wonder if these could sell, you know? So I, I bought a, a bunch of them and I brought them over, started taking some pictures uh, and uh, I put them up online. And you know what? Like, a week and a half later i didn't even realize it i hadn't been checking uh a ski slope in vancouver spent 10 grand sight unseen for one of these chess sets now i don't even think we had a security certificate at that i don't even think they existed i mean I think it was another year before those came about i'm like oh Oh, there's something to this e-com thing. Yeah, you, you know, you, you can actually buy and sell products, and uh, and so that started this whole idea. Uh, I mean, I created well, with well, we were dating at the time. My wife, we uh, created
0: BuyChess.com. We uh, we started buying all these chess sets, you know,
1: and uh, and, and trying to get them this out is of all Russia. the
0: Queen's Gambit and that whole wave. <laughs> seriously, man. That. Seriously, yeah.
1: This is early days, and uh, and we started importing those things uh, or exporting them out of Russia because we were still there at the time. And then uh, and then we were starting to get them manufactured some parts in Spain. And then, you know, so we started putting together all these pieces of this little thing. And to the point where, I mean, I had them showing up my father's garage back in uh, upstate New York. And I'm like, OK, but you got to check these things, you know, and I'm like, also they them into our fulfillment house. And uh, uh, which went over well, for the most part, you know, <laughs> and, uh, they and we just started selling these things and it became a lot of fun. And uh, and that led to I was on a trip in Bali. And I'm like, oh, wow, look at all these cool items. I mean, people must need these trinkets, right? And so my wife had gone back to grad school in Syracuse at that point. And uh, you you know you're meant for each other because one day I called her and said, hey, there's a, not a full-size container, but a container, you know, mini container of tchotchke coming to your apartment uh if you could just work with your landlord on that for a minute you know and, don't ask uh, questions don't Jeff. ask questions you know, you know just you know feel free to take some stuff to decorate the house you know whatever and uh, exactly. and so we started you know so that was our first foray into uh uh e-com and just buying and selling products and it led to this journey you know where um my you know i wasn't a developer a coder i i've been in this just from the business side and i've always loved it and uh it was about 10 years ago when we started getting asked uh hey could you do this for us could you build a website sure i'm like sure why not Why, you know how hard could that be right well that was a learning curve but we ended, we realized we got good at doing this for other people and that and that was the birth of iron plane uh over the last
0: 10 years that's ar- that's really cool I, l- I love that story of you're, I, I think it's really funny how the initial in ninety, you said ninety early, or late, late 90s, 90s yeah. early 2000s, your first initial thought is let's sell these online, which is a whole different concept because instead of like how, how online was so new, obviously back then e-commerce wasn't really a thing that third parties can come on. People weren't trusting of putting my credit card information or payment information into uh, a URL or something like said, security certificates. We're not even a thing possibly back then. Um, I only know these things too and, and nerd out because my father is a computer engineer over at Purdue University. So okay. I got to know like, oh yeah, don't do not do these because you'll get a virus. Everything was, you're going to get a virus. <laughs> it was like, that was a learning curve. <laughs> of was like, you're going to get a virus if you do yeah. this. And I was like, yeah. okay. uh, it, Maybe internet's a little scary. But as you get on, online and you go to the direct-to-consumer, that's how I, I got evolved too is – I was kind of thrown in. I didn't know anything about selling online. I just knew I like to buy things online. But the buying and selling of things, driving traffic to websites, you had you had all of this preconceived notion. You're like, yep, this is the place where you need to be. So is there was there more to that of like, hey, this is how business is going to be done? You found something cool, but you wanted to share it with other people and think other people would find really cool value in that too. So what was that process of? No, trust me, this is going to be something that's really cool and unique and we can grow it from here. I think because I came at it from a,
1: I want to make money doing this. Sure. Uh, it wasn't a vanity project. It wasn't, uh, you know, me showing my coding skills. It wasn't me uh, having to sell my those kinds of services. I always was talking to owners. Particularly in the early days, it was owner operators of of smaller companies at that time. And be like, look, you know, here's what I did. I spent this much money. I wasted this much over here. I spent this much over here. This seemed to work. You you know, you could do something similar. Let's just go slow and take it step by step and make sure your business goals are being met. Uh, And I think that was our unique, pers- I think at, at least at the time that was, you, you know, and I had the street cred, if you will, of having, you know, wasted a lot of money already <laughs> on my own stuff and, uh, and figured out what, you know, kind of a formula that was working at the time. And, uh, and, you know, when things were changing fast and furious and, uh I and so it was just always a matter of, okay, let's just, let's look at the whole picture and break it down and see where we want to take it
0: so or so when when you're doing this uh, yeah. Ironplane is how old um how, ten, how old 10 years officially okay I think, so that would, know, i think it's been eight since we really okay last so your idea came in 2012 yeah early 20 or late 2013 or so and yeah. like you said eight years i would yeah put you 2016 or 20 2006. Am i'm doing all right am i doing what math we, right 2014 and Oh, 2014. I mean, I, added, <laughs> I, added, I did not add 10 years somewhere in there. So anyways, it feels like it should be a lot uh, more recent, but yeah. Um. so in the time when you're doing that, that's interesting. Why not? So you're talking about direct-to-consumership. Why not Amazon? Why? What What was it about you pivoting towards direct-to-consumer websites instead of, hey, I'm going to go on a marketplace and, and maybe help people there? So you know it's interesting I've always had well up until a few years ago uh,
1: we've always owned or been a silent partner in various e-com sites just to sort of keep our uh, our hands in that game right to understand from that perspective uh what's always going on and so even from the earliest days uh, as soon as it was possible I was selling our products the big at the time uh even today I still think it's relevant uh y- you know and we would always tell folks don't don't negate don't Miss out on selling in these other channels. I mean, you have this product data, that's your goal. I mean, you have this the ability to fulfill product. And if you figured all that out and you've got this data set, there's no reason why you shouldn't be in as many malls, if you will, or on every street corner that you can be in, as long as the numbers work out. I mean, this is it's it's the proverbial low-hanging fruit uh, of getting your your brand out there and things sold. So we did early on. Um, I was I had one line that was only Amazon-based. It was another company. They asked me to help them do that. Um, I remember they ended up getting kicked off Amazon because they didn't fulfill something quickly. There was one product that went out of stock quickly. I don't know. It was a screwy thing at the time. I think Amazon still has these. You know, still is very tight on their their metrics. But uh, but my account was tied to them. And so I was not allowed back on Amazon. I think it took me two years to get back on Amazon personally because I had to keep working through our reps there. I'm like, look, you know, it wasn't us. <laughs> we were just helping them to get here and my name was Associated and so I could never uh, I could never get back on. But, uh, you know, over the years, uh, we've always recommended that people be in the marketplaces and as well as D2C. I mean, it's just a, uh, to me, it's a no brainer
0: yeah i want i agree uh, omni channel approach is probably the best approach i think a lot of people are seeing that now is yeah. you can just thrive holistically as a brand necessarily just in one context uh mm-hmm. you, you can grow it and you can start it i think that's the easiest i always say amazon's the easiest way to get started and to get going get those gears really in high uh moving fashion i think directly consumership you must have you need to it's like a craft or a um um a very artistic way of putting something together you need to drive traffic to it. So that's a step you need to build it so that it's an easy checkout process. Every website's different and unique. So you need to build out all these different systematic approaches and then make sure that people have a good experience part of it. And then also, Oh, by the way, make sure that they convert and have the product, you know, be, be trustworthy or the website be trustworthy instead of, you know, like you said um, it could have been any person when you initially, when somebody randomly and some ski slope somewhere bought it uh, you, you don't know who these people are I, I got an ad the other day on um instagram and i was like yep blindly just no problem <laughs> put my credit card information into the the context and seemed legitimate to me so there's that shift mindset of hey you have to actually have have a trustworthy mentality on a D2c website is that is that a psychological thing that you think or is that something that not many people are thinking of right now I think most Versus a marketplace, I would say,
1: well, okay. So, I mean, from a marketplace perspective, if you are, if you're an unknown brand, uh, and you're a consumer looking to buy, right. I mean, I think, you know, we all, go to Amazon to look up a product, right? I mean, it, I mean at least I do, uh, I probably should generalize, but I'll go there and like, okay, you know, I love tools and I'm always buying tools and and I won't necessarily always buy from the cheapest ways because sometimes I want the the support or the expertise that uh, maybe a, a D2C site or company can provide. Sure. But I will typically go to Amazon because by and large, I'm gonna look and see the, you know, the reviews. I'm gonna be able to get a, a more fuller picture of the product, right? Uh, and get an idea if this is the right fit for me. Um, particularly the more custom or the more expensive the item is. So that said, this is where Amazon has this limit, right? As soon as something gets very custom or uh, doesn't sort of fit the frame of Amazon product selling, you know, this is where somebody might have to think creatively on what they're going to sell there but then have their D 2 C where they can be more, you know, they can have their more complex products and services that they can offer. So, but, so I do think, yes, I think that customers uh, will use that as a validation point uh, if for no other reason you should have a brand there just for a validation point. Uh, and then they might come back to your website. I think that if you're just starting out selling, I think marketplaces are fantastic because it's low risk. You can validate a product. You can validate your pricing. You can validate, can, do I have a full, fulfillment engine beyond fba or anything else right mean, do i feel like i have the ability to get these products i can fulfill them customers like them i'm not going to have a you know, crazy returns all those pieces if you're just starting out if you're an established company however uh and you're looking to grow your e-com base uh i mean i depending on who you are and what you're doing your in your business rules certainly the marketplaces make sense but d2c is probably going to be a uh or a, an owned website is going to probably make more sense to build your brand and to extend it.
0: Uh, is, is my feeling. That's a ama- well. I, I like that concept. So. Robert, who who's coming to you um, for advice, or her kind of are these the people that are on Amazon or other marketplaces that are already established, or are they coming in with you right out of the gate and say, "Hey, I need to build a website. Um, I need your I need your guys's help over at Iron Play. Like who who's that that you're seeing more nowadays? It's
1: certainly shifted quite a bit uh, in terms of it. Used to be we get a lot of new builds, people coming in. I think that uh, two things have ha- two or three things have happened to shift the market that our typical client probably has something already going these days. And they're either looking for a rescue, we call them. Uh, things are just going horribly wrong and they need it fixed yesterday. Or they're looking for a whole new idea, but they have pretty good concept of where they want to take it. That has, that The market shifted in two ways. One, the SaaS platforms, the software as a service type platforms like BigCommerce and Shopify have certainly grown. And the amount of features and things you can do uh, has significantly blossomed there that you can get going a new site there fairly easily and you don't necessarily need an agency to get started uh depending on again your complexity and how you know simplified your 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 needs are um, so that's one and then two uh you know we've just been at this a long time and so you know yes while there are new people starting their e-com site it's 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 not often i hear somebody that didn't think they should have an e-com site no matter what business they're in. Right. Even our most conservative B2B manufacturers who I'd still say, you know, we're about five, 10 years be, you know, behind the D2C side, uh, the B2C side, they know they've got to do it. And, and so it's not a question of you know, like five, six, seven years ago, where I might get a whole bunch of people still for the first time getting on. And so, uh, so I think that's been the, the two major market shifts there.
0: Very cool. I, I like that. So you, you talked about uh, two major platforms like BigCommerce and Shopify I'm familiar, and I started my journey on a different platform, on Magento, and I think that's one you guys <laughs> mainly focus on. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift this. Not many people want to go in the Magento uh, hole, and I I really want to dive th- deep with this. To you, first off, why? And second, <laughs> um, um, with, with so much like cl- um, clamoring of a lot of people are like, hey, build a shop if I start a big commerce site. Uh, you guys kind of take a pivot, or you you establish yourself on Magento again. Not a lot of people look at that as a a platform of of growth or like where i want to initially start i'm curious what why you guys kind of stake your flag there and well okay of, so again
1: we're going literally. back eight years right, right. you know like so you ago. know eight six years ago in the um, time machine yeah 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 right so if we go back in the time machine we, when we first started you know scrappy and thought oh we just do anything and everything and i was not a developer and so i'm like wow we can build it. Right. Can't we just build it? And I'd have my dev team and be like, uh, you know, it'd be nice if we could start to focus on something here and get really good. And so as opposed to just taking everything, I remember we had evolution stores, we had magento stores, we had, I don't remember what else it was, able commerce. I don't remember. There was something else at the time. Right. And so we, uh, we would be building all these things and it became really clear to us that we wanted to become real. We wanted to become experts. We also didn't want to just build it and leave it. we were really looking for the long-term business relationship with clients. And so we started when we started evaluating platforms. For me, Magento was the best mix at that time of scalability, customization, and you could get into it and maintain it relatively inexpensively. So you could be you could be a startup and I could feel confident saying, yeah, you can do this if it makes sense for you. This this is good. Um I'd say I mean, it's it's a little coincidental but also not uh, right around where Adobe purchases Magento. Right, we start, but the Magento one to Magento two. Also at the same time, those two pieces really took Magento up market in terms of complexity and cost, total cost of ownership. Now, now somebody comes to me and we really do this analysis with them of you know even if they're on Magento right now and they're trying to figure out should I stay or not. And we don't get us wrong, we love Magento. We're still all in there. Uh, and it's still 90, probably 80% of what we do. Uh, but I will look at it and go, okay, what is your innovation versus integration needs and the complexity? And we'll start to look at these matrix, right? Do you need to be on this kind of platform or can a SaaS platform solve 98% of what you need? Then you've got to look at total cost of ownership because SaaS is great for getting into, but the, the costs creep up pretty quickly. And I always tell people you're building in somebody else's yard. You, you know, I mean, you, it's like only a great restaurant, you start it, right? And then all of a sudden the landlord goes, oh, this is highly successful. And they start raising your rents, you, you know, dramatically. And you really can't move because your location is so important, right? And so this is a little right. bit of, I always tell people, SaaS platforms, if you're stuck in there, you just got to realize there's a business calculus that has to go into that analysis. Uh, because, you know, if it's going to take you 12 months to migrate off it, that could be very expensive if you ever need to. So... Even your complexity. So I have a long story short, Magento, we we realized uh, even just pre-pandemic that the market was definitely shifting. We would have a few of our older Magento 1 clients coming out and they just, you know, they're growing five, 10% a year. They didn't have complex products. And they're saying, should we go to Magento 2? And we we're saying, you know, in our heart of hearts, we can't tell you, you should be doing this because you're going to have to dedicate minimum 30 hours a month just for security and support and maintenance not including sort of growing with it and improving it, right? And let's not even get into issues of making sure it's ADA compliant and PCI compliant and everything else compliant and secure. So that's what led us down the path of saying we wanted to offer a SaaS solution that we could also stand behind. And then we looked at Shopify and Big Commerce with the two bigger players, you know, that we looked at, uh, we looked at a bunch of things. And we actually, for us, we settled on big commerce. We felt that the technical stack, the APIs and things like that were stronger for, for our more complex, custom-oriented clients, than what Shopify would uh, allow them to grow into, and so we, so for in our world, we offer the two solutions: Magento and Big Commerce. Or if somebody's fully custom, we do microservices, and then everything's hundred percent custom. But that's sort yeah. of wh- how we landed.
0: No, I like that. So for for people out there, if they're if they're deciding between platforms, is, is there a way to determine? Is there an easy way, I should say, that is the best fit for either products or, like you said, services that they offer? Um, like I, said, I, this is this is maybe like the simplistic mind of me. Of uh, mm-hmm. I not own a Shopify site. I feel like it's a it's a templated service where you can maybe like build out and can get a little bit more customizable the more you pay. Clearly, yeah. but um, it, it's kind of a, a set it and forget it. It's pretty easy, straightforward. A lot of people you know like it because of all the widgets and add ons and, and the integrations like happen because of it. Um, Big Commerce is a little bit more complex. It's kind of like the hey, you know what I'm doing. Um. I can have a little more complexity to it. And then Magento is like, you have to build out everything yourself and kind of, you get really customizable. It's almost like the, I, I'm going to say this really, maybe this is the best way to put it. Uh, Android versus uh, Apple products of Android is like, oh, it's the tech savvy person. And Apple is more of the simplistic, hey, I just want something where I wanted to operate. I wanted to be functional and it's, it's nice and glitz and glammy and straightforward. Is that how do you I, I think so.
1: I, each other? And, and so when we start approaching those questions, so I, this is, you know, what platform should it be on? Yeah. Well, okay. Let's, let's back up the question. Yeah. What do you want to do? Sure. <laughs> you know, what, you know, uh,
0: and so. Yeah. Maybe was, for, for everyone who listens to the show, yeah. it, uh, I think from the standpoint of, I have a product-based business. Yeah. I want to sell it online. Want to grow it with me. Something that I know that if it's valued later on, I can either pass it on to somebody to have them, you know, something that, that people are going to see value in if it's, oh, it's on a Magento platform. uh, Maybe someone doesn't value my business as much as if it was on a Shopify platform or whatever that is, that's on the business end. But if I'm a consumer based product business, which one's going to be the right fit for me? And I think that's where I would go with that.
1: Yeah. So I think what we will, I will always ask somebody is, you know, let's, let's, let's look at your needs, your needs analysis, right? And make sure you've taken into account all your stakeholders because owners and CTOs and CMOs and vendors and partners and consumers all have different ideas what your website should do. So we want to get all that those pieces in place because otherwise somebody's not going to be happy six months Of online, course, right? And so once we've got that down and we sort of look at, you know, what is your, let's never think out even more than three years. I always tell people, you know, if you've got three years on your website, you've done great. Okay, so let's, you know, so we're always sort of thinking a three-year, Comparison across the various platforms uh, in terms of total cost of ownership. And uh, we're basically saying, you know, they're like, well, I've got a hundred million dollar year company. Should I be on Magenta? Well, not necessarily. If you've got one simple product that doesn't have dependencies on its on its options and it's you're not integrating with a complex, you know, ERP system like P21 or something like that. And 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 okay, you know, Shopify or Big Commerce could be the perfect solution for you because. Even if you are putting a lot of business through those SaaS platforms, I, if it's simplistic and you needed to get off, the chances are it's not gonna be that hard to move off later. And so, and and you can let this is what I always tell people, we want the technology to fall to the back. You don't want the technology to drive your business, and you don't want unless you are in technology, are you right? You know, but you know, essentially if you're selling product, we want that to just facilitate your business goals at all times. And I think where people, in fact, I was talking with a client yesterday. They're on Magento. They're a commerce edition. Uh, they're well established company, and I I, I feel I, I feel their frustration with Magento, but it's because I think they've always it's it's never been set up correctly. This is a re- what do we call a rescue, and so they've always had to wrestle with it. And it's always you know, like and and it's a black box that they're wrestling with. They don't have an IT staff that knows it inside and out, and so you know to them it's just like this morass of just always expensive things that never work quite the way they want to. And so we actually sat down and they need to be on Magento. We looked at it like their product configuration is com- too complex for real. You have to really jigger, rejigger things to get them to work in Shopify and even Big Commerce, a little more flexibility, but still would be a mess, I think. And so Magento for that and their ERP integration made the most sense. We said, look, let's strip away all the stuff and get it to the basics where you're just, you know, it falls to the, you know, back and it's just running the way you expect it to run. And it can. But like you said before, it you know if you don't, I'm not gonna say it's a sports car. I mean nobody would call Magento a gentle sports car, but <laughs> you know it definitely needs uh, for many reasons. <laughs> but uh, but you know it needs to be tuned correctly. And whereas on your SaaS platforms, you typically are not worrying about that unless you're running up against API limits and other things that you you have no control over.
0: I was, and you, know, and the, you brought up a good point. I think a lot of companies you know on the beginner side of things of they the, they themselves are the it team they're the support team they are the i have to make sure if something's broken i have to fix it myself or at least i have to know what i'm doing um so ease of use and be able to you know not run into those issues i myself when i was doing our ddc website if something was broken or if i was building out landing pages i have to go on the back end i was told very many times by our support staff you know that was a A contractor hey don't publish anything don't uh click this button unless you really mean to um it might take a little while to recash re 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 uh you know reset the whole system but if you don't if you tweak one thing and it doesn't cohesively work with the rest of your website it's actually going to be detrimental to your business and you can break it and that can lose on sales um I broke our website twice and that's not for like lack, <laughs> lack of me yeah, for yeah, yeah. for saying publish something when I didn't want it to. It was the lack of um, it didn't grow with us quick enough. It didn't scale, but that was a server thing, not a, not a website thing. So I digress. Yeah. Um, no, no. What, what, what in that regards, um, what do people look for more now? If, are they looking for ease of use or are they looking for like, Hey, I want the wow factor. I want something that's going to be like flashy and um, more like UI focus instead of like a, Reliable and durable on the back end, like the nerd side of me wants to go into.
1: The great thing is, realistically, uh, if the platform can, whichever one it is, a Magento or a Big Commerce, if the if the features and functions are there, chances are the back end is going to work the way you need it to work. And so, and the beautiful thing is, uh, the front end can be and should be what you need it to be. And so, because you can run these headless now, which means we can get in and, you know, using progressive web apps, PWA and everything else and make these beautiful uh, designs on the front. Or you can buy a theme uh, for better or for worse. And that's, that's got its own issues. But if it if you can fit within the constraints of a pre purchased theme, that can also be a solution to get you a lot of the wow factor. And then most people are somewhere in the middle of those two things. But uh, we... I think we're seeing more sophistication uh, in terms of people realizing that they should expect the platform to work. And so, and then they want to focus their energy on making a great customer experience. And because this is how, you know, you've got a widget that, you know, you're competing with 4,000 other vendors with a very similar or complementary widget right? that, you know, you've got to get somebody's attention. Your site's got to work. And the basics are still there, right? It's got to be fast. And it's got to be easy to check out. If you, if you haven't solved those two issues, you know, there's not much we can do. But once you get past those two things, which every website should be able to do, if not, then something's horribly wrong. Uh we, got it. we tell people, we're like, look, let's let's get into how are you going to make these products sing? How are you going to make them stand out? I love one of our clients, Gat Creek, uh, they're a US-based manufacturer, wonderful furniture. And you go on their site now and they worked with 3Kit, one of our partners, to do 3D virtualization of every single one of their finishes. So because you can't have a sample, there would be 40,000 samples of their furniture and every single thing they build. So a dresser comes in 10, you know, three different wood styles and 10 different finishes and all these things and different brass knobs. And with three kit, we were able to virtualize all of that integrated it hundred percent into Magento so that all the options and pricing, as you're seeing the 3d virtualization come up of the colors, you're also getting true pricing and based on all those options. That would be very hard to do to that level of configuration. You could certainly do the 3D part of it, but all the costing and things in a Shopify, it could be done. It could be done in any platform, but it's it gets harder and harder. And this is where Magento uh, really lets this furniture company stand out uh, in a way that I think is is fantastic. Not to mention it's being you know not them particularly, other furniture companies we have same thing, but all that costing is being driven from an ERP system live, and so and it's a and it's a cost up. You know, for pricing, and not only for consumer, but then for wholesalers and sales reps coming in and needing to get pricing and quotes and B two B, this is where your your more complex platforms quickly uh, give you what you need to grow and scale.
0: Yeah, that that's really cool. I I like. Um, I think a lot of that. Makes a lot of sense. Um, Sorry, I jumped around a lot there. But, you know, yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, so so Robert, I uh, a couple other things I know of maybe of note that that when, when people are going through this, I, I think there's something curious like you had mentioned earlier of as people are coming on marketplaces, which again, there's a lot of benefits and pros and cons that come with it. Obviously, the cons would be, oh, I have to pay to you know uh, referral fees or store fees and stuff like that. But the logistics of it all is that's where shop it's, shoppers are. People um, love the perks of it, of I can get my products quickly, effectively, efficiently, so on and so forth. There There's a cool kind of like crossover lack of a uh, podcast uh, pun there's no there's no lack of podcast puns here um, there's a cross effort between Amazon and, <laughs> and uh, you know direct to consumer that's kind of interesting that they announced last week um, that I'm curious to hear your thoughts are there is um, Amazon re it, it's it's kind of a twist on the version of merchant fulfilled network that they're having but it's the ability to fulfill and have amazon purchase through amazon on your D2C website and it's a cool concept of, hey, if your products are there. You can still trust the uh, the Amazon brand that it's going to be fulfilled through their logistics chains, uh, their their resources, things like that. Have you heard of that? What's I haven't. I feel like it? I should have. <laughs> oh, no, so, it's okay. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um. I, 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 let me. I'll pull it up, and I can. We okay. can circle back to it. Yeah. Um. Maybe I'll I'll bridge the gap here. Um. When, when people see that trusted of of ways to either, um. Again, I talked about having the idea of putting a credit card into a, a you know, into a website. What where, where do people get the most trust of when it's going to DTC websites? Because obviously we were talking about marketplaces, people know the name, the brand, so yeah. on and so forth. It, is there, where do people lack trust or need to see the trust? Is it the payment service uh, provider side? Is it uh, the, you know, certificate website, uh, certificate, uh, HTTPS um, so on and so forth. What what are people looking for that you feel like need to have that trust factor in order to make that an ine- inevitable purchase?
1: I think if if it's if the site is flashing as secure, the site is not secure, I think you got I mean that's basics. Uh that that's most consumers are gonna go, uh eh, nah, probably not gonna do something here, even if they don't understand why they shouldn't. I think that most consumers that that's a flag. I'm gonna move on. Uh but assuming you've solved that, you know, because those are pretty quickly solve them in their basics, right? I, you know, I've gone back and forth over the years. I tend to think give more people ways to pay at checkout. I, I think for some people, you know, yeah, I want to pay down because I feel like it's going to safeguard me in some way. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, just offering people multiple ways to pay is always a good thing because you know, everybody has a slightly different preference and it doesn't cost you really very much more other than some accounting in the back end to offer various payment methods. So I think that that, and I think it also just establishes a little more of your credibility, but I don't think it makes or breaks the credibility on the site of whether, at least in my case, or that I've heard from our clients that somebody will put in a credit card. I think it's the other pieces. I think it's the, you want to show that your site, stupid things, right? Don't have your copyright
0: say 2018 on the bottom, right? You know, uh,
1: right. right. I mean, like, I mean, would I know you,
0: it's- you have a question for that. Is that what, what does that stem from? I, I think people, when they see that, is, is that important? Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm a little hesitant on saying, is that a business thing? Is that a website thing? What, what, what does that stem from?
1: having that down there or just in yeah, general, oh, just it's,
0: like copyright in the uh, year. Uh, yeah. I think you that, you know, in 2016
1: and nobody's, nobody has updated the page since then. And so that's what I, you know, or it's an oversight and it's a, it, it seems so trivial, but it's like, gosh, are these people for real? Are they still here, you know, it's 2022. Right. And so I just think that, you know, if I see 2022 means, oh, well, somebody's looked at this thing. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly if you're an unknown brand or your small brand. Right. Uh So, it's little things like that. I think that, you know, when somebody, when a consumer is coming to a site, you've got a split second there that everything should load and look nice, right? So if it, you know, if things look like they should look, you're going to move on. If they don't look like they should look, you know, pictures are going wrong. The site is not loading. You're, you're probably, you know, you, you're, your credibility factor is dropping significantly. To get the sale, I think there's nothing better than social affirmation. I think that, you know, whether it's your, uh, uh, and I'm going to use this, I'm going to say TikTok. I I you will not find me anywhere there because I just I got to learn this now. Apparently, my my twelve year old niece was like, "You got to be on TikTok," and I'm like, "I have no idea what you're talking about." And so, uh, and so, but you know, I was talking to a, a a woman who runs Beverly Hills lingerie, and they very much are. She owns the company, and they've built their brand a lot on TikTok and well established. And uh, but whether it's there or Facebook or Twitter, wherever your market is, is where you got to be. But I think having that kind of live or dynamic information showing up on your site it it counters the you know the copyright thing right or validates that we're here we're active we're available um i think live chat i think anything that somebody can validate that there's a person there that if i have a problem i can i can call somebody i can deal with it i can ask a question that i think is almost enough for
0: most consumers uh is that a uh is that going to be more of a um like what, what? would be like a third party thing? Uh, because we used to have um, not McAfee. There, there's like a, a web, um, uh, web something trust that, marks yeah, and things. Trust, like yeah, basically like what are the trust ways? Trust, trust in reliable ways that people can say like, oh yeah, I can I can build that up. Like trust bars would be one thing. Like oh yeah, ping pong is featured on these websites. Uh, for example, that that's an easy trust bar people say oh they're legitimate they have like media coverage so on and so forth but with, with directed consumer companies i would say su- i would assume there would be like reviews. yeah like obviously yeah. on the payment side you're like are they're protected by stripe or they take stripe or whatever it is um and the website there's all these different ways that i know from the back end that we tout that we're safe and secure and reliable but is it as simple as like hey making sure that you have customer reviews and they can find them and there's social proof i think so I mean, I think, I think, I, I think there's gonna be something more. <laughs> no,
1: I mean, I, no, I, mean okay. I the problem is nobody, you know, people aren't doing it as much as they should. You, you know, I think that. What do you mean by that? I, well, I, I think brands important. uh know they should get into this, but I think that they don't. This is what we talk about. You know, I when I'm talking to brands, I'm like, look, we want your technology, you know, the nuts and bolts of technology to not be the thing you're focusing on, you wanna rely on us to do that for you. you. You want us to quarterly sit down with a strategic plan and say, okay, we're gonna make sure you're secure. We're gonna make sure you're ADA compliant. We're gonna make sure that things are working the way they should work, that your API integrations are working, You know, and we're gonna execute whatever new functions and features you need. But from the marketing side, from the front end side, uh, now our agency will only go so far as conversion rate optimization and UX optimization because we're, we're we do front end design, right? And so, but we're also telling people you need to do all these other pieces of the digital marketing equation to build brand, to build to to make your site sticky, to make people want to come back, uh, to show that you're living, breathing, and and, and I'm not saying if this to be an exciting place to be, but you know, if someone's gonna buy your product, they should buy it from you because they're going to get something added versus just going to Amazon and getting it there. And uh, and that's where we're always trying to get people to think about how they can incorporate, whether it's content from their team, whether it's social proof, whether it is honestly feeding their products from their website, interestingly, into your Instagram marketplaces or into these other social areas where you can buy direct there because you're going to get more social proof on those platforms in some ways. But I would make sure I'm copying and pasting or in court importing that data into my main website as well. So it's always this kind of back and forth and revalidation.
0: I like that. I, I I think like, like, like you said, it's like the word of mouth, like no one, no one trusts anything more than just if your friends or family totally. say something like, Hey, you should go buy this company or, Oh my, just a friend saying, "Oh yeah, I bought these shoes online, and this is the brand." Like yeah. to me, that's almost like a well. Hey, if you receive the product, hey, it, it triggers the buyer psychology of, "Hey, you got your product, check. Um, oh, those look nice, check. I can see it in real life, check. Like, th- those those things always matter. So I think it's really cool to kind of hear you, like you said, social proof of what's most important on a website. I think ultimately yeah. like social proof and if there's a shareability or a functionality of, Hey, you can still go back to it or Hey, join our community on Facebook or something along those lines where it goes externalized instead of just on there. I think that makes sense. I think sense. so.
1: I think getting blogs written about your products. I think, I mean, I was, I met with this guy, uh, what the heck is his name, but hashtag paid is the company and they're an influencer marketing group. They basically get influencers to, write about your products and do it on your TikTok and elsewhere and i think for certain brands this this is a no-brainer way if you don't have the ability to do an in-house i think these are low-cost ways to at least start to build that social proof and and stand you know and kind of rise above the noise and so uh so war another i think brand all brands need to be thinking this way
0: yeah so absolutely um i i found the article if you saw me on the screen looking around and everyone else is probably figuring out what is ryan clicking and trying to find (laughs) i finally found well in the company and uh or with the services i'm going to put it here in the comment section for everyone who was talking about earlier um it's called uh it's from pc mag obviously you can just search the program it's called buy with uh buy with prime um for third-party online stores so the essential and I'll be talking about this in other content that we we talk about here on Crossover Commerce. We're actually going to be talking in a podcast here on Friday about it. Um, Why it's kind of a a repackaging issue or not issue, repackaging of an old program, Merchant Fulfill Network. So it's for third party. Um, Essentially, it's allowing third party online stores to integrate with Prime shopping experience for their customers. You can do buy with Prime and have a checkout ecosystem go through the Prime widget, essentially, Um, whether it be you know, prime shopping or whatever, products located in Amazon Fulfilled Warehouse, you can essentially have it on your DGC website, plug it into their. Are you able to own the customer
1: at that point? Do you still grab like that's the tricky
0: part? And that's 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 a very good point. That's the tricky part. of a lot of people don't think that's the key, a lot of uh, you know, Amazon is always finding different ways, Robert, as you probably know, to have needs insight into the other dimensional aspects of buying online and they don't have outside resources of DTC websites. Obviously they don't own Shopify, their own big commerce own Magento. This is the way a lot of people in the Amazon community believe of having insight into that data aspect of who is shopping on DTC websites, building a customer avatar. And if we can somehow get them to purchase back into our ecosystem, we are now getting insight onto data, but also onto the the buyer behavior even more so than just on our marketplace. So it's kind of a, do I I want Amazon to have that customer? I don't like it. I don't like it. So what what I'm going to ask you is, why don't you like it? You've
1: spent all this money getting people to your website somehow, some way. Paid search, SEO, social proof, content creation, live chat, whatever you've done. You pay your 15% over to Amazon because they're bringing the customers there. But if I've spent my 15, 20, 30% to bring it direct to consumers customer to my website and i'm now potentially not going to own that record or they're now going back into the amazon ecosystem i don't know i feel like that i i I would have to look that very closely to see or test it to make sure uh the numbers and the whole thing fits with my business model going forward i think uh because that that would concern me for sure right and i don't know how much more validation i mean I would test conversion rate and all those good things, but I'm not sure that you gain that much by having an Amazon Prime widget on the website. I I think for some people, you might absolutely love Amazon Prime and love Amazon, you know, right? But by and large, I don't know that it would make me want to check out any more than just having the ability to do Google Pay or or Stripe or Ping, you know, any of the various payment systems so uh,
0: yeah I, I like to be cynical in this aspect i look at both sides of the coin both would be i know that there's websites that direct consumers to purchase directly from amazon yeah. on their websites that is the thing um i think that it's a, a flexibility option clearly of hey now we, we talked about previously buy now pay later. we talked about obviously um you know, I think this is kind of a, a play against a couple different components of a, a Stripe capacity. Obviously, if you're not converting on your website, that conversion no longer happens. Stripe now loses out on a conversion, um, so that that affects them. Um, like you said, you as a brand, you're not collecting customer data maybe as much anymore. Yeah. Um, again, and the limited knowledge and research I've done on this. Again, this was announced last week or last couple of days, within ten days ago. Um, yeah. Super interesting to know that this is Amazon's play to, Hey, make it convenient for a seller, which again, if they don't have a DC website or they want to make yeah. something simplistic or uh, something out there, it's their way to kind of help you along with the process. So you don't have to fulfill it in a third party network or um, have it in a different warehouse, so on and so forth. You can just ship it all to Amazon. But and they'll do that now though, Right. I mean, that's good. The, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, we're always
1: integrating. So I'd say half our clients sell on Amazon marketplaces or, or maybe 80% of them. I don't even know anywhere, but, uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're, part of what we help them all do is make sure that everything is, is integrated so that your order management, your fulfillment, whether it's coming from Amazon's warehouses or your other warehouses or a mixture of the two, right? All of that's happening anyway, and you're managing that across your platforms. And so uh, I'm not sure why somebody would absolutely need to put somebody back to Amazon for fulfillment in that case, if you already have a DVC site. but
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I'm curious for the listeners out there if you're watching this, uh, yeah. check it out in the comments. I know on YouTube, um, in Facebook, it, it pops up. Yeah. on uh, On LinkedIn, if you search for, um, if you search for "buy now" or excuse me, let me find, let me find "buy now," buy with, buy with Prime is a program incentive okay. uh, initiative called Buy with Prime. Uh, again, there there's YouTube videos about it. There's news articles about it. If you search Bible perm, we're going to be talking about it on the podcast on Friday. Super excited about it. We were supposed to talk about it this past Friday because my go-to person I've had, I call everyone who's come on the show, friends with the show. He is an adamant person of I know what they're doing. This is why it's bad for Amazon sellers and DTC consumers. And this is just a repackaging and insight into what what Amazon is trying to do. Again, yeah. it's not a it's a, it's a good thing for beginner sellers, and I think people are trying to grow. But again, it's a it's a bigger play in the world of DDC commerce and again, when you're I think Robert, you nailed it on the head of if I'm driving all this traffic to my DDC website, why would I want Amazon to a get the conversion? And again, I'm sure that there's various different ways of like who's getting the conversion, how much am I paying for it? Um I think maybe they take down your referral fee a little bit. who knows? I have to look in and kind of do the necessary deep dive into this. But for us in the biz, as I like to say, it doesn't look like it's a very beneficial thing if I'm trying to keep the two entities separate. This is going to have almost like a leech mentality of, hey, now it's sucking off of my other traffic and conversion rates and it just throws a whole other wrench into the ecosystem, albeit very useful and convenient for those who are having issues with logistics and supply chains and having a whole other warehouse full of products. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Um, we'll we'll see. I I, think think
1: you can have your logistics still solved by Amazon FBA and and on your DTC site, I mean, at all whether it's with a ship ship station or ship HQ or any of the the tools. To I, I, it seems like a fairly straightforward thing. I wonder how this would work with a a Shopify or sites where you know
0: they don't necessarily want to play well together. Well, I mean, you know,
1: the whole point there is that to you know, at least in the smaller platform, you know, uh, plans, there is to check out. Shopify payments and things like that so right I, yeah, I think this is
0: more of a play in the whole logistics side yeah, of things instead okay. of the um they're, hey, they're going against UPS and USP that, that's the initial thing uh, okay. of publicly this is who they're trying to compete against okay. but I think it's a little bit more involved and integrated um uh, hmm. than that like I said us us in the area of thought leaders we like to kind of look in the Pros and cons of both, and why what this makes sense for for beginner sellers, and immediate sellers, brands who are growing internationally. Again, I think there's a lot of great businesses out there who are, f- who are already doing that business. Yeah, that are you know, everyone says simplistic. They, let's make it more simple. When yeah. that's not always the case, it it, it can affect you long term. Um, we've already taken up an hour of your time, Robert. I know it's kind of it's has kind gone of quick for me. Uh, hopefully, it's gone kind of quick for you in a good way. Yeah. Um, kind of wrapping up here. Kind of in the future, what, what's kind of what's the roadmap for you at iron plane like what do you guys really focus on what's exciting for you what's kind of scary for you what does 2022 look like for the rest of the year
1: i think we're looking at uh, two major things uh a, a lot more on the headless side and real custom ux and design uh and engaging customers so a lot of what we talked about today in terms of really making that site not only feel credible and authoritative but also interactive and fun and 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 Working extremely well from mobile all the way up to your desktop. Right. And so, uh, so we're seeing a lot of that happening. And then on the flip side, more uh, uh, back end and compliance and security. I mean, we, we can't hammer it enough with our client, you know, and, and we've got whole checklists and everything else. And anybody ever wants to ask us questions about this, we don't charge for it. We just we want people to really take the moment here and, and, uh, and dot their eyes and cross their teeth when it comes to security. Uh, because it's, uh, it doesn't take much to bring your site down and, uh, awesome. and to lose your data.
0: So, yeah. I mean, not awesome because I yeah, yeah, yeah. did go down, but it's awesome yeah. that you guys are helping people on consultant anytime. Yeah. What, yeah. What's yeah. the best way they can reach out to you directly? Is it uh, LinkedIn or
1: LinkedIn uh-huh. is always great. I am, I'm very active well, on the very active, but active enough there that I'll respond to anybody that has a question. And, uh, and certainly we have our new podcast and YouTube channel shaping e-commerce learning plane, which is right. We love it. You know, anybody has a question, we're always happy to carry on the conversation and, uh,
0: I love it. Keep growing the e commerce space. We're going to yeah. take over uh, the internet here slowly but surely. Uh, yeah, we'll sure. have our own section of just e commerce business category. So, just business, it's e yeah. commerce in that regard. So, I love it. Hey, uh, if they want to learn more about that, they just go to your website and it's under yeah. the about section, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. They'll see it right I there. I do my research. I love it. If advice. I remember, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. So, not even cheating. I don't even have the tablet anymore. <laughs> it's I thought I put another screen right, right Yeah, I was like, there's no other screen here. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can turn the camera around. Yeah, no other yeah. screen. I just remember from, uh, uh, checking out a couple episodes really great content so make sure that they can find that on the website only or is it they just search for it
1: no they can also go to youtube and our podcast but on the website under there we, we bring you know we have all the content linked right there so they can perfect real popular with the ux one which would dovetail nicely with what we talked about today too absolutely absolutely
0: so. well yeah we'll make sure we have to uh bring him back on and talk a little bit more about how that's going and then obviously i love i love just chatting with podcast people in general of cool. bringing knowledge to the space and helping people grow in that context but thank you so much for hopping on today i know you're a busy guy and again thank you for being flexible and being able to reschedule um for today and uh we're happy to have you as now a friend of the show of crossover sure. commerce awesome thanks right yeah, no problem. And thank you everyone who is coming on Crossover Commerce. Um, let me go ahead and pull up Robert. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much for coming on Crossover Commerce. This is episode two thir- uh, 243. two forty three. I'm a- I always lose track. This this is this is the bad thing about uh doing so many too many podcasts. Two forty three is what this episode number is. I just need to have a sticky note from now on for every single episode so I can refer to it. Um, we appreciate you guys tuning in live on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter as also listening um, you know after the fact when we uh, release these audio episodes as well. couple quick notes just want to kind of shout out uh, some cool things that uh, we're doing here in the next couple of weeks here over at ping uh, ping pong payments. Uh, the ecom co-op event if you haven't heard of it you definitely need to make sure that the uh, in the comment section you'll be able to find it out but we at ping pong are on the road here we'll be in New York and uh, New Jersey here next week in May. There is an event that's uh, in conjunction with the Prosper Show, not your typical seller meetup. You definitely need to check out. It's uh, less than ten days from now. It's going to be um, at one of the tactical uh, logistics solutions, web- websites uh, or warehouses, excuse me. And we're going to be talking, uh, do roundtable discussions. We're going to be having lots of different thought leaders in the space of your seller, of your service provider. Definitely reach out in the comment section or look for the link in the um, comment section on all of our social channels to make sure you get a ticket for this event. It's going to be on May 12th. It's going to be a fantastic and exciting. If you're in that area, make sure you sign up. And also I want to give a quick shout out. <laughs> it's going to be over my face. The Mexico trip. Also, we are a media sponsor of the Mexico trip. If you want to learn out more, how to sponsor, uh, or excuse me, source from Mexico and, and just get your questions answered. There's a replay of a great webinar that happened last week. If you go to the Mexico forward slash webinar it's a replay in case you missed it um our great friends over at um you know Norman Ferrar, amy weese tim jordan those guys are putting on an actual in-person sourcing trip down in mexico as well as mastermind to look at other options for sourcing um different countries maybe not china or india or if you're having trouble with the logistics and supply chain just understanding why it might be behoove you to look at another option in sourcing from uh, latin america and uh uh, Mexico. So go ahead and check that out as well. Other than that, that's all the notes I got for today. If you uh, if you like what you heard, make sure you like and subscribe to all of our channels on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter. And also, you can follow me on social media as well on LinkedIn, uh, Facebook, Instagram as well. I'm Ryan Kramer. This has been Crossover Commerce, episode two forty three. We'll catch you guys next time on another episode. Take care.